Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The proceedings from the Senate confirmation hearings for Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson still has much of the country waiting on the outcome. It's likely that we are witnessing history as Judge Brown-Jackson moves ever closer to her seat on the Supreme Court of the United States, the first Black woman ever to do so. The second day of questioning, however, has had a few more noteworthy moments. After an invigorating and energizing discussion yesterday, Andrea Coleman, news director for the Black Information Network, rejoins us to discuss the Senate confirmation proceedings. This is Our Daily Story, and I'm your host, Ramses Cha. Welcome back, Andrea. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Ramses? I'm, I'm great. And another exciting day. So let's get right to it. Okay. Uh, so the second day, uh, the second and last day of questioning has taken place in the confirmation hearings of Supreme Court nominee Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. What was discussed? Well, you know, pretty much the same issues and topics as the first day of questioning, right? I mean, they included questions on Judge Brown Jackson's judicial philosophy, which she has consistently said she doesn't have one. She says instead she has a methodology that she uses where she approaches each case before her from a position of neutrality and then considers all pertinent facts, factors, laws, guidelines, and so forth, as well as other considerations before making a decision. She was also asked about her representation of Guantanamo Bay detainees and how one of the people that she defended ended up being a pro bono client at the private firm that she worked at after leaving her position as a public defender. Now, she apparently wrote a brief in a case, but did not represent him personally. She says he signed on with the firm's LA office, uh, and she worked out of the DC office. But apparently members of the firm called her and asked her to help with the brief because she had worked on the case. And so from what I understand, that's a very standard practice at law firms, right? Uh, So she was then also asked about her opinion of expanding the Supreme Court her definition of marriage and transgender-related issues and so forth. And then one committee member also even asked her to define a woman, uh, which, you know, she said, well, when looking at my mom, I know she's a woman. When looking at myself, I know I'm a woman and so forth and so on. Uh, she also reminded the, the committee members that in some of these instances, she didn't feel comfortable responding or answering because she didn't want to form any kind of conflict of interest knowing that she could very well be confirmed. Um, So at all times, she's keeping her composure. But the issue that dogged her all day by Republicans was her sentencing record for child pornography defendants. That continued just to be uh, the issue that Republican committee members just bore and tore into. So they pressed her so hard on that issue that at one point, Judge Jackson just simply refused to answer their questions anymore. She graciously said, or graciously, pardon me, said that she had already answered the question and stood by that answer. Mm. Okay. So how, how do you think the second day of questioning compared with the first day of questioning overall? Where the tone of day one, uh, where that tone was hostile, maybe cautiously hostile, let's say day two, in my opinion, was just nasty. Uh, The attacks by some Republican committee members just seemed mean. I mean, it was clear that their intent was to derail her nomination by causing her to appear not just soft on crime, 
but sometimes insensitive to the feelings and well-being of the victims and their families of these crimes, right? Uh, and there are also several heated exchanges between Democratic Chairman Dick Durbin and Republican committee members. A couple of those most notable ones was one where Durbin and Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, who was one of the first Republican senators to speak, uh, but he would not relinquish the floor. And he just pressed and pressed and pressed until uh, finally he gave he gave in, but it was like 10 minutes after his allotted time was up. Uh, and he was just wanting to continue continuously try and make his points and uh, to get Judge Jackson to respond to questions that she felt she had already answered. Uh, his whole demeanor and disposition toward her was just, I don't know, in my opinion, it was filled with hostility and, and angst. And it was clear to see. It was like he was trying to make a point. Uh, and he, again, uh, just kept making references to conservative judges or people who had been nominated and were treated poorly. Uh, but, you know, in this instance, it's not like Judge Jackson was the one who was doing the harm. It was previous members of that committee who were no longer serving in some instances on it. Uh, so it's almost as though she was falling victim to the actions and the attitudes of people that she probably or may not even ever had encountered uh, or had relationships with. Uh, and then there was a couple of tense moments between Chairman Durbin and Senator Ted Cruz. Now, uh, Cruz just refused to relinquish the floor, and he kept pressing Judge Jackson about her sentencing record on one case in particular, which she had already explained. Uh, other notable contentious uh, questioning came from Josh Howley out of Missouri and Tom Cotton, or Cotton pardon me, out of Arkansas. And, and it's interesting to note that I understand that both of these men are running or thinking about running for president in the future. And some pundits and political commentators say that they believe uh, that in some of these instances, it may not even be so much about Judge Jackson, but it may be about these Republicans who, especially those who are looking to run for larger offices in the future, really playing up to their base. Hmm. Now, you mentioned uh, Senator Lindsey Graham mentioning uh, a black conservative judge that he alleged was not treated fairly when she was nominated for a federal judgeship many years ago. Who is he talking about and what happened in that situation? So the judge that he referenced today was Judge Janice Rogers Brown, and apparently she was a California Supreme Court associate justice who was nominated to the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, which is the same circuit uh, and the same court that Judge Jackson sits on now. She was nominated in 2003 by then President George W. Bush. Her confirmation, however, took two years uh, because Democrats reportedly fought hard against her nomination, filibustered it, and so forth. Well, eventually she was was confirmed and served on the same court again uh, as Judge Jackson now sits on, and she was confirmed by a bipartisan effort. So uh, Democrats did relinquish some of their resistance, and uh, Republicans were able to get their nominee through. According to the Washington Post, however, she was seen as an extreme conservative. It sounds uh, like even some conservatives may have found her ideals to be a little extreme. The Washington Post quoted a conservative columnist, uh, you may remember George Will, as saying that Judge Janice Rogers Brown was so out of the mainstream of conservative Judas prudence uh, that it was even uh, difficult for some conservatives to accept some of her ideologies and rulings. Another journalist reportedly said that uh, she had like an adventuresome jurist, or that's how they categorized her as an adventuresome jurist. Uh, so it seems as though even in the context of the conservative party, uh, she may have had some detractors. Nonetheless, again, she was eventually confirmed. And from what I understand, she served a number of years on the DC Appellate Circuit Court. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. 
you may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. Here with us discussing the Senate confirmation proceedings for Judge Katanji Brown Jackson is my guest, Andrea Coleman, news director for the Black Information Network. Now, something I was curious about, is the public allowed to attend the hearings? From what I understand, they are in a limited capacity. So I read somewhere that 60 members of the public are allowed in at one time and are rotated in and out throughout the day. Uh, Now, it is worth noting that while this committee is made up of only senators, there were a couple of black representatives that have been present throughout the meetings or the hearings. Uh, One is Representative Sheila Jackson Lee out of Houston, Texas. She has been there at least two of the three days the hearings have taken place. Georgia Representative Nakima Williams, um, she also was there on the first day of questioning and Representative Al Green from Houston, Texas was also there on the second day of questioning. Uh, And he actually was referenced. There was a moment when uh, Senator Lindsey Graham made reference to him. Apparently he came in and uh, he spoke during a break to uh, Senator Graham and mentioned how, you know, he, uh, I guess he was very complimentary toward the nominee. Uh, But, you know, Representative Graham actually, uh, pardon me, Senator Graham uh, took the advantage of that comment to then come in and talk about the treatment that, again, uh, Justice uh, Janice Rogers Brown had received in the past. So uh, even those kind of friendly kind of interactions were being used uh, sometimes in, you know, a kind of political way uh, that may have not been quite what uh, Representative Green was meaning when he went up and spoke with him. Got it. Uh, Is there any indication so far if Judge Jackson will or won't be confirmed? You know, it's hard to know. Uh, I, th- I think today's line of questioning was so intense, it will be interesting to see if the Republicans' line of questioning gets any feedback from the public in a way that may sway senators who are not on the committee uh, to reject her nomination. It's, it's, it's really hard to know. On the flip side of that, their nastiness could actually possibly win the votes of senators who feel maybe they pushed uh, a little too far and were a bit unfair. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, and some of that commentation or the, the comments uh, hopefully will start flowing again once the hearings are over and we can kind of get some kind of read on what not only the public is feeling, but even maybe some of the senators. Well, what happens now that the questioning is over? Well, the last day of the hearings is dedicated to uh, testimony from outside members of the community. So we're going to hear from, um, uh, I guess, different members of the community, and I'm not certain how they're selected, uh, but we're going to also hear from members of the American Bar Association, and that's an association of lawyers and law students, and their testimony, from what I understand, will speak to Judge Jackson's character. Okay. Well, before we let you go, what are some of the highlights from the day? All right. So now this is from my perspective, right? So uh, 
they may vary depending on uh, who you speak to, um, but just, uh, and I hope I'm not, I'm not crossing any boundaries as a journalist, but I'll give you my three. My first is the nominee herself, who has consistently presented with grace and composure. And when looking at the nastiness of the attacks, especially on the second day of questioning, Judge Jackson has endured with such grace. Uh, I couldn't help but think of how the pinnacle or at the pinnacle of her career as a black woman, she still has to endure that kind of nastiness and the verbal nastiness of those attacks. And no matter how disdainful the questioning got, she held her own. Now, some of it may be political, and in a way, that could be a compliment to her, right? Because the treatment by Republicans may be a testament of who she is. I mean, it could very well be that by their being so nasty, or they are being so nasty, uh, because her career and character have been so impeccable that they have nothing else to use to block her nomination. The second highlight to me is the tone and and the integrity that the chairman of these hearings is bringing to that forum. Chairman Dick Dermott has brought these proceedings uh, and tries to maintain a line of integrity to the best of his ability, uh, even before these contentious members of the Republican Party, with such ease uh, and such diligence. And to me, that committee, uh, it just makes it a little bit more palatable when you see this onslaught of our on uh, this assault, actually, uh, against the nominee, uh, and then you're able to come back to the mediator of that hearing uh, and allow him to bring the tone down, uh, bring the committee back into focus uh, and do it with such diligence. So uh, I don't know. I just I just think his leadership in this forum has been remarkable. And then lastly, um, the lone African-American senator on that panel, Senator Cory Booker. Cannot put into words what he interjects into these hearings. I mean, and it's not so much the support he gives her, right? I mean, that's evident. But it's the way he gives it so passionately and so unapologetically free and culturally affirming. He steps in and feels every aspect of brotherhood to sisterhood that you could ever want in a situation in an environment like this. I mean, if ever I had to fight a battle before Congress, I would want him in my ring with me (laughs) as he is with her, right? Anyone who has not seen his comments today will want to take a moment to listen to what he spoke to Judge Jackson today. And, you know, I think I will even listen to this speech the rest of my life and draw inspiration and strength from it. It's one of those history-making moments uh, where every Black family may want to go ahead and get a recording of that thing, tuck it in their library, and play it back anytime they need a moment of inspiration, motivation, or encouragement during times of stress, struggle, and hardship. It was that good. I, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you once again for your time and your insight. Uh, today's guest, one more time, is Andrea Coleman, News Director for the Black Information Network. And we will be bringing you more highlights from the Senate confirmation hearings as the nation moves towards confirming its first Black woman to the Supreme Court. Check back in with us tomorrow as we continue to follow this developing story. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Follow us on all social media at Our Daily Story Podcast. I am your host, Ramses Ja. Join us tomorrow as we tell our stories with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. 
BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.